I was wonderful, you know. Baseball artists that I truly believe in and I know. I'm appreciative in that they're taking the time to discover me and find out what I'm really all about. You know, we, we have someone who I consider my sister, Gladys, decide to sing any one of my songs. It's a thrill. I'm really very happy. I really am. And now, please welcome 2022 Kennedy Center honoree, Gladys Knight. On Sunday, December 3rd, 2023, Gloria Estefan and many others honored many artists in our industry. The John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts selected the 46th honorees for a lifetime artistic achievements, actor and comedian Billy Crystal, acclaimed soprano Renee Fleming, Australian singer, songwriter, producer, and a member of the Bee Gees, Barry Gibb, rapper, singer, and actress Queen Latifah, and singer Dionne Warwick, and what you just heard as we start out this podcast for F2F Faith to Form uh, with some comments. And you got treated to a song by Gladys Knight singing. Dionne Warwick uh, <laughs> has done so many things uh, uh, along the way, so many things for music, so many things to shape our uh, the things that we listened to in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 21st century, and it goes on and on. She continues to regale audiences internationally to this day. The early 1960s, her iconic sound set the bar in American pop music, earning more than 60 charted hit songs, selling over 100 million records. That's a lot of records. She has done more than entertain the world as a humanitarian, she has advocated for global well-being through such efforts as AIDS awareness after teaming with renowned songwriters Burt Bacharach and Hal David, her first major release, 1962. I was a young guy back then, and so were you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Make Me Over kicked off 18 more consecutive top 100 singles. You know, everybody thinks the, the 60s are all about the Beatles and what they did, but think about that. 18 more consecutive top 100 singles by the 70s. She made the top pop charts with the Then Came You, a million-seller duet with the Spinners in 74. After a label switch to Arista Records, she entered her third decade of hit-making with a platinum-selling album, Dion, produced by Barry Manilow. Val, did I tell you, Barry Manilow's mom used to listen to me on the radio in Miami. She wow. would call, she would go, you're not playing enough of Barry. Play some more Barry. <laughs> With his back-to-back, -back, I'll Never Love This Way Again, and Deja Vu. Uh, in using uh, music to support her activism, Dion uh, performed in the all-star charity single, We Are the World. Uh, we need to redo that song. That's a good one. <laughs> she also made recording history with Gladys Knight, Elton John, Stevie Wonder. That's what Friends Are For, a number one hit from 85, and the first recording dedicated to raising awareness for AIDS. I can go on and on and on and on and on about this because there's just so much more written. But uh, So this, uh, this, this past week, as we record this podcast, she was honored as a Kennedy Senator honoree, and, and she has done so many things. But here's the connection, boys and girls. You ready? Okay. Dion is also the ambassador for F2F, Faith to Form. Uh, she, uh, you know, she seems like, uh, I don't know, Vel, and you've, you've toured with her for so many years uh, as well. Um, she seems like just the, the perfect person to be at the Kennedy Center. And lots of questions uh, for you today. <laughs> Bell Lewis, the F2F Music Foundation, we ought to get to that too, is uh, seeks to enable all youth to pursue continuous and rigorous training in music to their highest level of interest and ability while striving for the best academic achievements possible. F2F designed to provide disadvantaged students in high schools, middle school, elementary schools with the opportunity to excel in their academic endeavors by utilizing the benefits of music to enrich their lives and the lives of others in the community. What a great, uh, what a great mission statement that is as well. So she was there along with Billy, 
Did you know Billy Crystal's brother sang with Sha Na Na? He was one of the singers in Sha Na Na. No, I didn't. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, he looks just like Billy Crystal. Oh, wait, that's his brother. <laughs> kind of a fun deal. So uh, this is a great way to cap off 23 and as we uh, roll into 24. And a lot of folks are going to be listening to this podcast uh, as we go into uh, 2024 as well. Uh, Val, uh, you, you toured with Dion. Dion seems like a very humble person. What do you think that she took away from that special night uh, at the Kennedy Center? What do you think she felt? Well, you know, I sent her a text to uh, congratulate her, and she replied back and said, you know, it was a magnificent evening. And I can imagine from knowing, you know, what I do know about her and her disposition that she's, as you said, very humble about it, Mm -hmm. but even more so that... uh, President Biden walked over to her and shook her hand and he gave her a little hug. And, you know, that I think really made her feel more special than anything. And then also to be honored with the rest of the people, the honorees that were there with her. Um, She's been waiting for this. And I think it's well-deserved for sure. That's cool that you say she's been waiting for it. She understands her value and her importance in uh, in life, in our community, in the music industry as well, doesn't yeah, she? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She, again, you know, playing the soft at all contemporary hits along the way in Detroit, Miami, and uh, Houston, and uh, everywhere, um, she was always a part of what we did just because she fit in so well. Exactly. It was, it was so, such a wonderful thing. You know, Dion is also the ambassador uh, to uh, for F2F Faith Reform. How did that come about? And what prompted you to pick up the phone and say, hello, would you like to be our ambassador? And and, and how, did, how did that conversation go? Uh, that's a good question. It's, it just kind of felt like a spur of the moment thing for me to <laughs> just have this thought that did well, you hesitate for a moment to go oh no she's gonna say no she's not one i did actually yeah, yeah. there you go <laughs> and i said well i it can't hurt she can only say no and then we'll just see how it goes so i yeah. said yeah. well you know we needed i thought someone that could help us you know see more exposure experience more exposure with uh f2f music foundation uh nationally as well as globally uh-huh. And um, I felt that, you know, she would be a perfect person if she was interested. So I said, well, well I'm going to go ahead and make the call. Okay. And um, what surprised me is when I said, uh, uh, Dion, I was just wondering if you might consider being the ambassador for my organization, F2F Music Foundation. She said, honey, I am thrilled that you even asked me. Wow. And I almost fainted. (laughs) So I was really happy that, uh, you know, that I got that kind of response from her. And uh, she's been uh, very communicative. Am I saying the right word right? Communicative. She's she's talking and she's connected. I like that. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. since. So uh, that's been a really good thing, too. It feels good. And she uh, in, has been supporting us in ways that I didn't expect as well to yeah. uh, just bring people um, to us to connect us with uh, whatever needs that the organization has at this point. And um, I, I couldn't ask for a better person to be working with us now. And that, that's a good example. You should never be afraid to just pick up the phone. If you have an idea, ironically, you can get through to a lot of people that you didn't think you could get through to, even if you don't know them and they don't know you. Uh, the, the the worst thing you could possibly do is not do that. Uh, so, you know, Val obviously has toured uh, with Dion, uh, so there was a connection there as opposed to just, hello, I'm Val Lewis. Uh, I'm here in Texas. Uh, could you help me? Have All a right. nice day. But let's talk about the time on the road and uh, what you took away from the experience uh, when you were touring uh, with Dion and playing keys? Well, the first part or first leg of the world tour that she asked me to perform on took us into the UK for nearly an entire month. And I had not been to the UK, uh, specifically through uh, England. Mm-hmm. So that was a treat to be able to you know, travel overseas and then we get on a tour bus and just go from city to city performing in uh, performing arts 
centers and so forth. Um, that in itself was very exciting. And then to realize each day as we would arrive to a city and get checked into the hotel, and now I'm in the hotel room alone, that, wow, I'm actually on tour with this legend. Yeah. Dion Ward. Yeah. And then to get on the stage later on that afternoon uh, for sound check, um, watching how she would uh, check a room out to make sure that she understood what the acoustics were like. And then uh, later on for lunch together and then doing a 90-minute show. Hmm. Every day was just so exciting. It was, I, I just... I was bubbling all the time, every every day of the, the tour. Yeah. And um, that lasted nearly three years for my leg of it. and um, That's a long time. Yeah. And it, there was just, again, adventure after adventure where we would go through different cities around the world, different countries that I hadn't been to before and always wanted to visit. And um, what was, <laughs> I think, really funny for me is uh, within a couple months, I had filled up my passport with oh, wow. stamps from different countries. Wow. And I said, okay, well, I need to uh, go get a new passport. Um, I guess I need to go down to the State Department to do that. So I made a phone call. And he said, yeah, you'll have to make an appointment. Come on in, and uh, we'll take a look at your passport and get you a new one. I said, okay, fine. Yeah. So I had the smaller book at that point because I didn't know. Sure. And uh, when I walked up to the window, the lady looked at my passport and she said, what do you do? I'm an international spy. Said, well, yeah, yeah I'm but... touring with Dionne Warwick. Oh, okay, so you need the big book. <laughs> and uh, she went back and grabbed a book that had, I think, 60 pages in it or something. Whoa, so, whoa, uh, whoa. wow, that, that was uh, <laughs> impressive. You still have that book as well? No, you probably renewed it, I would assume, since then. Right? Yeah, I have, right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be something to hang on to. That'd be fun That'd be fun to, uh, to, to take that first book and kind of put it in a in a frame uh, yeah a- on the wall i have to look i might still have it but i haven't looked Jeez, that would be kind of fun to, but i do have the itinerary which is nice so oh wow yeah i can definitely put that in a frame at some and you point. rode on a bus from place to place huh? or a train or something like that a little of both yeah planes trains and automobiles <laughs> <laughs> we did it all <laughs> yeah. to get a lift from somebody it's a good thing you know right. the, it, let's go back before the tour as far as auditioning and such. did you audition uh for her and and who opened the door for that audition indirectly um i just happened to be uh i think it was on the east coast and uh my brother was playing drums for it at the time. He still does. And during the uh, setup of equipment and sound check, uh, my brother's setting up his drums. Dion's son, uh, David Elliott, was on the piano. And he seemed to be working out a song, figuring out chords and so forth. And, and my brother looked over at him. I was standing behind David, and he said, uh, hey, David, you know my brother plays piano. Um, do you want him to maybe give you some suggestions on that? He, he turned around and looked. He said, yeah, well, sure, yeah, you play. Come, come on, yeah. yeah. So I jumped in, and I said, well, based on what I was listening to that you were doing, when you got to this particular chord, I hear it kind of going this direction, and I played a different chord. He said, that's the one I was looking for. Ooh. That's the chord right there. Hey, Mom, you got to listen to this song. I said, Mom? <laughs> that startled me, and I looked up, and she was walking across the stage. Oh, my gosh. And she came over towards the piano. She said, okay, so let me hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you understand what a cold sweat is. So <laughs> I immediately went into chills, like, uh-oh. Yeah. So I had to remember what I did, played those chords again with you know rhythmic feel to it, and she just kind of walked away. And so I, I didn't know whether she liked what she heard or <laughs> yeah. what. So um, I looked over at David. He said, man, thanks a lot for that. I said, hey, sure, no problem. So I got up from the piano and just kind of waited until my brother was ready to leave. We went and got some lunch and yeah. called it a day pretty much. Okay. Uh, you know, I watched the show later, of course, from backstage, which was cool. But then... Uh, 
few weeks went by. And I just happened to be coming home after work from a doctor's appointment. And as I was opening the door, I heard the phone ringing inside the apartment. And I said, oh, let me open this door quick. That was one of the days that we used to answer our phone and say, oh, yeah. 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 Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. Hardwire phone. Yep. <laughs> so I ran into the, the, the apartment, opened, picked up the phone, and said, hello. She said, uh, hi, is this uh, Vel Lewis? I said, yeah. She said, hi, this is Dion Warwick. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, right, lady. Sure, yeah. You're pranking me, no. Right, so I'm thinking, wow, how'd you get this number? Okay, well, yeah, how you doing? I'm doing fine. I just wanted to know, I really liked what I heard the other day when you were uh, yeah. playing and wanted to know if you'd like to do a world tour with me. Whoa, babies. Whoa. What'd you say? Well, I had to take a pause real quick because yeah. I was working a nine to five at that point as director of credit for a major computer uh, distributor, computer mm -hmm. hardware and software. And I managed 24 people across the, U the U.S. in different cities and different offices mm -hmm. with regional managers and credit managers, uh, national credit managers and so forth. And I said, okay, uh, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, why did it take you that long? It's like, okay, I quit. I'm going. That's like winning a lottery for crying out loud. Uh, yeah. So that's that's pretty funny uh, that you that you did that. Uh, uh, well, it was a yeah. difficult situation to be able to go back and yeah. talk to people that I had uh, relationships with for a couple of years, working you know day to day, and uh, to tell them that uh, I won't be here any longer. And they're like, "Why? What happened?" Well, I'm, nothing bad. Yeah. I, Decided to take a world tour with Dionne Warwick. Oh, my. Okay. Okay. We get uh, that. Yeah, I goodbye. guess we'll Have a nice see day. you later. Wow. Or uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> and I got some strange reactions from other people, too, that were working well, for it's me. It's probably jealousy. It's like, man, I wish I could do that. All I did was brought my ham sandwich to work with me today. Uh, one Hello, guy was there. really mad because I had just hired him maybe a month or two before, and yeah. he said, what, you're leaving me? You can't do that. What do you think you're doing? I was like, oh. I think I'm making a good decision, okay? So shut up and get on with your life. What kind of a leader is Dionne Warwick? Is she a taskmaster? Is she a motivator? What kind of, how does she lead her, her, her group? She's very supportive of people who work with her in a way that she considers them family, all of us family. Yeah. And she's protective. Um, if we, being together, experience a situation that doesn't seem right to her, and she just doesn't like it, she'll be very vocal about it. Mm -hmm. And we'll tell people, no, uh, these are my performers. They work with me. Mm -hmm. Um, they're going to be treated the same way that I am. So you need to understand, you're not going to put them just anywhere. They're going to be in a four or five star hotel, just like I am. Yeah. Um, I'll stay in this particular hotel, but they're not staying here. Guys, pack up your stuff. We're putting it back in the van. We're going somewhere else. Whoa. whoa. Okay. <laughs> well, when you're Dan Warwick, you can do that, can't you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she cared for, uh, for everyone in the, in the band was a, a big deal. As well. You know, you did a lot of performances uh, around the world, basically, with her. Uh, what what would define with her and with you guys uh, a great performance? And uh, and does a great performance always happen? And if it uh, so that's another part of the question. If it doesn't happen, what do you do? So what's a great performance? Every night was a great performance with her. We, as far as I remember, never had a bad night. Mm. Um, primarily because the show was polished in a way where if someone may have forgotten a part or the volume on stage wasn't adequate enough for everyone to hear what was going on, yeah. she, being the professional that she is, knew what to do to make the show continue to be smooth yeah. and unnoticed by anyone. Okay. And I really appreciated her ability, professionalism to, and I should say being an entertainer, just knowing how to 
manage the stage activity. Yeah. And she does that in a way with everyone who's performing with her as well, where, again, she'll tell people, you know, these are my people. They perform with me. They don't work for me, per se. Yeah. They are performers as well in their own right. So uh, they are to be respected. Wow. <laughs> that's really cool. Because that's not true with, I'm sure, mm, a lot of people out there touring. It's like, yeah, whatever. So right. Even exactly. even even Barry Gibbs said something about uh, when he was with the Bee Gees, and he had his, his brothers, uh, Morris, and uh, who was the other guy? I'm trying to think of the other guy. Um, I'll think of it. But he said that the brothers were actually jealous because Barry kind of ascended and kind of forgot those guys, and there was a lot of uh, disconnectedness, especially uh, later on in life. They were angry at him, mm. uh, which is interesting. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I mentioned that it was Gloria Estefan who uh, hosted this gala at the Kennedy Center. And uh, when I was in Miami, my neighbor, who was a music, uh, he was a, a band teacher at, at like one of the high schools or something in Miami, Fort Lauderdale. But back then, the Miami Sound Machine was just coming to uh, you know up to a level where people were watching and listening. He used to play keys hmm. uh, for them on, on occasion, and I thought that was pretty cool. Hmm. But and we used to watch the Miami Sound Machine uh, before they were the Miami Sound Machine, Gloria Stefan and such. Uh, what a great what a great platform for amazing music as Absolutely. well. Miami Fort Lauderdale was. You know, many of the here's the thing. And you experienced this, too, because you were part of this as well. Many of the hits of the 1960s were not done by the guys who think you uh, watch on the on the videos or saw on television or even saw touring. I, I understand that there are some groups, uh, Gary Lewis and the Playboys uh, being one, uh, they had to make sure that um, Tommy Tedesco, I think that's uh, the guitarist, uh, the Wrecking Crew guy, made the guitar parts simple enough so that when they actually went on stage and performed and played, they could actually replay what was on the recordings. And that was the same way with the Monkees. You know, the Monkees showed up at the studio and, and uh, uh, the Wrecking Crew was there. And it's like Peter Tork was like, what do you mean we don't get to play? It's mm -hmm. like, no, you don't get to play because you're not good enough kind of a thing. So did, uh, and, and Dion's hits, I would assume, were probably the same type of thing where you've got the wrecking crew. I think of Petula Clark and a lot of the other greats of the 60s as well. Did she ever talk about the days of, of being with Bacharach and David and probably in the studios with L.A., probably with the wrecking crew? Is that how they manufactured it? We didn't have much discussion about that because there was so many things move so many things moving around us all the time yeah that um we just go from place to place and set up and play and go to get some sleep and start it all over again yeah um but a lot of what i knew about her uh, more or less growing up with her music as well i also did some research on her while i was growing up so i kind of understood how the uh mechanisms in terms of recording her hit songs were done just by looking at TV shows that you know, featured her and so forth and then just yeah. reading articles about her. Um, from what I understood, uh, Hal, David, and Burt Bacharach charted most of their songs out so that studio musicians would have to play exactly what was on the chart. And that continued even with live performances when I was there because I actually had a book that was probably about, gosh, Telephone five, book six thick. inches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it had all of the material, uh, sheet music in it. Uh, I also, of course, had a CD recording of the live shows, but I already knew a lot of the music anyway. Yeah. So just looking at the sheet music to pick up certain parts that I wasn't sure of and say, oh, that's the way it is. Oh, it's these notes. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that helped out a lot. But that, I think, is more of her signature in her music of you know, certain melodies, certain nuances going through one song to the next that you always knew that it was 
Dionne Warwick that was singing yeah. it. There was no mistake about it. Yeah, she she crafted a show with the with the hits that she had as well. Did, did Dionne ever share her experience uh, working with uh, with uh, Bacharach and David? Did, did she ever talk about those guys? No. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're so influential. That that that's who Dionne Warwick is. It's Backrack and David stuff. Of course, Backrack and David also had a whole bunch of other great songs that uh, they crafted for other artists as well. Yeah. They what was that. interesting is that some of the uh, musicians that had been with her for years prior to my coming on board um, knew other musicians who also toured with Bert while he was performing. Mm. So there was that type of conversation every now and then about you know so-and-so who's uh, doing a show with Bert there in this particular city tonight, and we're going to be here over this you know the city or what have you. Yeah. So th- that has been pretty much the most of what I ever heard with you know, any discussions regarding uh, Bert Bacharach and Hal David for the same. I mean, that was pretty isn't, much it, isn't it pretty cool that we had uh, them uh, in our lives here as well for creating amazing songs? They Absolutely. had that unique, and they really had the unique signature of the, they wrote stuff differently than everybody else, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of cool. And Dion didn't come out of a, a place like Detroit from Motown or anything like that. She's definitely a West Coast uh, kind of girl, I would assume, right? Well, no. Uh, born in New Jersey. She, oh, Jersey, okay. Yeah, okay, and yeah. she's. Uh, Still got, as far as I'm concerned, that East Coast flavor in yeah. how she delivers a tune, how she um, how she is, just her yeah. dis- disposition. It's just really nice, I think. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I just think L.A. or something like that, that's good. What was the, the best show or best stop on the tour? You know, they were always great, but was there one that was like, oh, yeah, we cannot top this? I, in my opinion, Sydney Opera House. Ooh. Um, first of all, I'd never thought that I was going to be performing there. Yeah. And yeah. then our initial uh, agenda called for three days. And then because the shows were sold out so quickly, they added an, a fourth day. Okay. So just to walk in there and then walk on stage and Notice that the room was so acoustically tuned that we really didn't need to have microphones. Even with the band having amplified uh, instruments and so forth on the stage. Wow. Uh, it was an amazing thing to hear the way that the sound was mm-hmm. coming out, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, from uh, our performances every night. Yeah. And, um, that's that was just an unforgettable experience for me to uh, go throughout the entire country of Australia through all the major cities performing. Yeah, man, that must have been really cool. You know, I think of the I'll call it symphonic tuning of a, of a facility like any symphony orchestra. They don't have mics. <laughs> they don't need mics. Right. Uh, you just hear, and you hear the whole room. And you've played in some places that you got to have the mics because mm-hmm. they, they, they're not even close to a performance venue. But uh, there's some here in, in Houston as well that are really good at what they do. Right. Uh, but I'm sure that was amazing uh, being in Australia with there. Um, obviously, you've pursued a solo career uh, in the music industry. Are there others associated with Dion who might have – I know your your brother still mm-hmm. plays drums. Yep. With, but, but what about some of the other people that – have played. You, you always hear about people who used to play, but now they're over here and they're doing their own thing. Anybody else with the tour that uh, broke out? Mm, no, because uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's that's funny. Again, because of uh, Dion being just uh, the cool person she is, and the quality of repertoire that you perform. It's almost like, you, why would you want to go anywhere else? This is just yeah. peaceful and serene. I love it. It's just yeah. so warm to play these hit songs that have just been classics over the years. Yeah. Um, so, but but a lot of people who stay, were in the band stayed with the band, and and that's what they made their their living, and, and obviously did a great job of it. Yeah, and the ones that uh, left or are no longer with the band, 
usually in the ones that I know of, they've gone into their own business lives of uh, just doing what they do. They may do still some music. Um, yeah. To be honest, I haven't been in touch with a few of them that um, were in the band before, but uh, I do know that they are living as you know relaxed life and enjoying themselves yeah. and, and along the way what a great what a great uh, thing to say about life we're talking about Dion Warwick who was uh, inducted as a, as a Kennedy Center honoree um, of the 46th honoree celebration boy they've got a lot of people uh, that they've uh, celebrated uh, uh, their greatness yep as well but it was fun to see her there and uh, it, you know, we played a bit of the song with Gladys in the beginning of singing uh, "Do You Know the Way to San Jose," and uh, and Dion is just a, a really cool person. Lessons learned from Dion. What'd you learn from her? A couple of a couple of things you learned from her. Well, um, what charisma is really like, um, and I say that because of the fact that any of the shows that we've ever done with her that I've done. We always came on stage in tuxedos, mm. which made us feel important, special, yeah. um, and of a high quality caliber that we just knew that, you know, we're not just the average musician walking out on stage and she's respecting us in that way also. Mm-hmm. That um, she appreciates, you know, our professionalism and our musicianship and um, that feels good as well. So then we finish the show and come off stage. It's like, wow, you know, uh, I'm doing something special here. Yeah, yeah. And that carries with me still today. Um, also, I think just in terms of um, dynamic ability with our performance, I learned a lot of what how important dynamics really is in music. Mm-hmm. I mean, we learn that through you know, theory and um, technical training anyway, of you know, knowing what um, mezzo forte means, what mezzo piano means, what pianissimo means, what yeah. decrescendos and so forth. But to actually apply them and see that they have to be applied in a particular song to make it speak and have its yeah. uh, identity it it you, it's unmatched when you play her types of songs. Yeah. Uh, I, one in particular was Alfie. I loved playing those string parts, and then have the pauses in between the songs where she would take a moment and then come back in with her vocal, and then I'd come behind her with a, yeah. a piano uh, dynamic uh, feeling to it. So it's not too loud, but enough where it blends with her melody that she was singing. Um, it's like a piece of fine art. Exactly, it has to be. It has to be all together. You know, you talked about dressing up for um, uh, you know tux and such. That's kind of like what Brian Epstein did with the Beatles. He took you know four kind of rough-edged guys and put them in suits and made them look pretty. And and also helped with their presentation. So it's the theatric part of it is an important part as well. But the, what you were saying is the fact that you you did dress up, um, you um, you felt uh, important when you went on stage, and you felt like this was an important thing you were doing as well. I think that's pretty cool mm-hmm. as well. You know, as as individuals, we all looked up to someone in in our industry. Um, uh, did uh, Dion ever share anyone that she? Uh, looked up to. I know she uh, paid tribute to uh, uh, like Lena Horne, Elizabeth Taylor, and, and people like that. But I wonder, I wonder who her mentor is or was. Do you know? Do you know the answer to that? Um, I'd looked at the uh, documentary that was done by CNN Films. Uh, it was that's right. I think that it was aired, not that long ago. Uh, yeah, January of this year. Yeah. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there was a segment in that um, documentary where she was uh, being interviewed by Diane Carroll. Okay. While I watched that, I noticed uh, Diane Carroll mentioned to her that uh, she was kind of a girl to her, uh, 
Diane possibly being older. I didn't really pay much attention to that if there was an age gap there or whatever. But I could tell by the the way that the interview was going between these two ladies that they really respected each other and looked up to, well, Dion kind of looked up to, D, to Diane and Diane appreciated mm-hmm. how Dion was learning um, how to be graceful and you know, more or less kind of rounding off some of any rough edges that she may have sure. thought that uh, Dion had and so forth. And it's it, it was a very enlightening interview, and I really enjoyed watching it and listening to what they were talking about. You probably catch that as well on, on a... On a YouTube or something uh, of that nature, I would imagine that that program. Or, yeah, that or, or even go back to CNN and see the. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it's actually on HBO Max too right now. Oh, okay. So okay. yeah, you can pick it up there. Go see it. It's a good thing. It, it was is. it was great when it came out, and it's it's really neat and poignant. Uh, it kind of a stage and a setup for uh, the recent uh, Kennedy Center uh, festivities as well. Let's get back to the music. This is indeed Faith to Form F two F the Music Foundation. Uh, which speaks to um, the future Dionne Warwicks in our lives, in our industry, in the history of uh, music and performing and such like that. What should, uh, from your standpoint, what should young musicians do to follow a successful path into performing and recording? And maybe one day, you never know, become another Dionne Warwick or, or, or Val Lewis. I say this to many students that I work with. If you don't know the greats, you need to study them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say that because Boy, there's true. not just from their musical abilities of you know great artists who have um, kind of paved the path of success, but also to understand what they did to become successful, mm-hmm. the things that they um, had to do. Um, I say a lot to students, don't just practice, study. Mm. Study what you have to practice. Really analyze what's going on in a particular uh, song or selection that you might need to play to a point where you can then, if you're playing an instrument, be able to play it with your eyes closed. Be able to know when you need to move your hand into a different position on the keyboard, mm. how far you need to move your hand or your arm so that you get more accustomed to your body movement mm-hmm. and then be able to be more accurate as you do it because of that. And I think a lot of students look at me and say, wow, I never thought about that. Well, these are the things that great artists take time yeah. to learn. and. It's it's so important, I think, in how you perform because uh, I was actually talking to a good friend from uh, HCC. She's the um, chair of performing arts, mm-hmm. and she made a really good point. She said, you know, for kids are needing to go further from high school into college and from there into a professional career, it's not about what you've learned or how well you've learned what you've learned. But in every case, you're going to need to audition. Mm. So the performance yeah. is what counts. That's what people are paying attention to. Yeah. So if your performance level is weak, it's because you haven't studied enough to yeah. make sure that your performance is on point yeah. and that it's recognized as being top quality. So that makes it putting yourself, uh, your entire self into a performance, um, I think signifi- signifies a commitment to, uh, to, to doing that, whether you're playing piano, guitar, singing, whatever. Mm-hmm. It may not be um, the top performance you've ever done, but, but you can tell when someone is holding back and not allowing themselves to become a part of that, uh, uh, of that piece of music that they're playing or, or performing or something. If it wasn't music, and don't tell me credit bureau, what would Vel Lewis be doing today if it wasn't music? I know the answer for me. I'd be a bush pilot in Alaska. But for you, if it wasn't the music thing, what would you be doing right now today? 
uh, music. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not one of the selections on the thing. It's not A, B, C, or D, or all of the above. No, it's right. It's just something else. I I think I would just uh, continue what I'm doing and um, mm -hmm. mentoring young people to show them the way of how to be successful in music. Mm -hmm. um, music has been something that's been with me, as you can imagine, since the day I was born. I think sure. I just yeah. had it naturally in my my blood. But instead but, of a silver spoon, it was a harmonica. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> it was actually set of headphones. <laughs> okay, that works. Yeah, but um, I had a, a, a love of seeing how students, young people, how they evolve. Yeah. And watching them from when they're babies. Um, I actually enjoy kids more when they are maybe five, six, seven years old and, and up, because then they're starting to develop their personalities. And I can see how the personalities differ sometimes between a, a male and female child, and yeah. then when they become into their early pre-teens, mm -hmm. um, how that uh, personality has changed because of right. life moments and events and so forth that they experience and that's intriguing to me to see how that evolves and then be able to catch them right at that point where they're probably middle school age students and say okay now let's put an instrument in your hands or let's teach you how yeah. to sing yeah. and then utilize the power of music that's coming from either the instrument that you're playing and that you're studying and or the vocal training and put it to use through academic success and performance ability and just see where it takes you. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. I'll be here to help you. So. That's we do we do voice coaching for voice actors and such, which is a lot like what you do uh, both uh, for piano and voice and such. Um, and it, it's interesting how Every person who engages with us is it's a very individualistic experience. In other words, people respond differently to uh, there's no there's there's no book that you say, well, this is how you do this. You got to approach people in a different way based on, on who they are and what they are. And you teach a lot of, of students right now, piano and such, and voice as well. Talk about how you teach them to engage and become passionate. I know you touched on it a little bit there. Be become passionate about being a musician. And one question after that is, what defines a great musician? So let's talk about the process of of uh, engaging with a, with a student and getting them to really understand where they've got to go how deep they've got to reach to be uh, successful in what they do. Well, I usually tell uh, students from a young age on up, if it's not fun, don't do it. Mm -hmm. You have to enjoy playing music. You have to enjoy music itself. You have to enjoy what you hear, what you feel from it. And if you are feeling good about it, you feel like it's fun, it's something that you can do any time of day where you can just go over to your guitar or pick up your drumsticks or turn the piano on, or if you've got an electric piano, whatever, and sit and play what you like to play. Oh, okay. Then you're on the road to success because then you can start learning how to read music. And I make that a very important factor with every student that I work with. You must know how to read music. I've had some situations as I've grown up uh, you know, through music in my teenage years, early adult life and so forth, where some musicians that I met played by ear. And then when it came yeah. time to doing recording sessions where they had to pick up a sheet of music and learn or actually play the music just by sight reading it, 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 they couldn't do it. No. And I said, that is <coughs> a bad handicap, I think, for many musicians. If you don't know how to read, that you, you're going to lose a lot of work, a lot of opportunities, because yeah. um, people just uh, don't have the time, and it's 
expensive to have to work with someone that doesn't know how to read, especially if you're in a studio recording. And a bit frustrating as well because you, you, you need to make sure that you've got the whole package going there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So all the students that I have right now, and I think I'm up to 17 students right now, they all oh. know how to read music. That's beautiful. So now that we've gotten to that point where the theory has been instilled in them, they understand uh, you know, the types of notes, the differences in types of notes, and now we start working on the rhythmic structures and feeling the rhythm and hearing the harmony between one note to another, that now they even see it as more fun. And as I see that growing in them, then I can see which students are going to be the ones that are going to take off with this or the ones that are just doing it just yeah. because mom or dad said that they have to play it. Right. Um, some students have dropped off that I've had for various reasons, and um, they may go into sports or whatever. And that's fine because right, you know, right. music is not for everybody. I understand that. And um, same with any. But you don't know that until you try it. Exactly. You, you got you got to try it. What exactly. to, you know, um, so basically, uh, bottom line, what to find someone who is, uh, who is really engaged in, and uh, has the potential of becoming a great musician. Where does that come from in, inside those folks? Uh, sometimes it's genetics. Uh, within the family, there could be other family members that also play instruments and they just get it naturally. Other cases where that's not the case, but they've gotten to a point now where they enjoy playing and listening to music. They then start listening to music because they hadn't been doing that before. They'll because I'll suggest in a lot of cases, do you listen to music when you're not playing the music? Uh, you know, for example, do you listen to the radio? Do you listen to, uh, yeah. you have a phone, any uh, uh, playlists or whatever? That, And then I'll ask them, well, what type of music do you like? Do you like rock music? Do you like R&B? Do you like jazz? Do you know what jazz is? And, and just mm. question them on how much music are you allowing to come into your life? And once they start exploring that it's interesting to see that they'll come back and say you know mr lewis i like this particular song here and it could be hmm. a rock song and they're learning classical songs yeah so now we've got a nice blend of genres where they can understand what the classical music is about and how that relates to what they're hearing on a rock song or, whatever, yeah. or vice versa and it does yeah you're yeah. absolutely right yeah, so, that's that's so. Just a deeper desire to uh, uh, to dig into uh, music in general and uh, uh, become a more of a participant in what music is. Mm -hmm. well, it doesn't necessarily have to be one type of music. It could be anything. I was very fortunate with the Cleveland Orchestra as a kid. We'd always go to the Cleveland Orchestra in elementary school. That's a really great start uh, to be able to hear stuff like that as well. Uh, so hopefully, uh, uh, you know, and, and getting back to, to F2F as well, this is what F2F is. We put uh, uh, m uh, musical instruments into the hands of children who, uh, who do have a passion for music and who can do great things. And music obviously has been proven over and over again to be an incredible social development tool uh, to make uh, these people better. Uh, in life and uh, achieve great things as well. So we're looking, yeah, you know, we're recording this uh, at the end of uh, 2023, the, the podcast. But folks will listen to this in 2024 and lots of things going on. Let's let's uh, spin ahead to uh, 24 and discover what's in store for, for F2F. There are so many thing, different things going on. So let's spend a, a moment or so talking about 24 and what, uh, what, uh, what are your expectations and uh, maybe some concrete plans at this point as well. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to our third annual music summer camp in person because mm -hmm. we've done a number of online camps uh, during COVID. Yeah. And now, um, you know, three years into uh, doing in-person camps uh, in partnership with uh, Houston Community College, Southwest Campus, uh, at their Fine Arts Center, um, I'm excited about it because I've been thinking about it over the last couple of months as we uh, approach the end of this year that I'd like to start fresh and early in January of planning uh, 
Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen in the summer camp this year. We've had some magnificent camp uh, programs uh, with instrument manufacturers, with, uh, gosh, we've had a, a judge, uh, county judge involved with uh, presentation uh, this past year. Yeah. Uh, doing a mock uh, court trial, which was nice. With the kids enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, we've had, gosh, uh, was identity Perfect. theft, I think, was talked about with a former FBI agent and right. sheriff, and you know, just we've had a mixture of different things that the kids could appreciate and learn from. So planning this year is going to be interesting. We haven't really started yet, but I've got some ideas on how I want to yeah. put this together, and then uh, bringing in different instructors as well to um, focus on uh, instrumentation. We may do some different instruments. I know some of the uh, instructors from last year's camp uh, have already said they want to participate again, right, so that'll right, be fun. Right, yeah. And um, then I guess you know, going throughout the year, it, it usually takes us a few months to get these plans and everything in place and then start promoting the camp with the schools that we work with. But um, I'm, I move, I'm really excited to move forward with Stafford Municipal because uh, we met with their music uh, director last year and... Um, I'm really hoping to be, involve a lot of those kids this year with the camp. Yeah. And then uh, being able to provide more instruments to kids uh, through their school district and also with the existing school districts, Fort Bend, ISD, uh, Lamar, Consolidated, and to uh, spread ourselves out through uh, you know, alliances with other organizations that have been in contact with us as well in different states who would like to uh, work with us uh, within their states and uh, bring in other instructors and uh, just expand our programs nationally. Yeah. So uh, we're at a point, I think, this year where we could start that, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's been a great uh, 2023, and of course it's going to be a, a great uh, 24 as well uh, for F2F. Follow uh, Faith to Form F2F Music Foundation on social media. And uh, and and discover and, and, and stay with it. If there is a, a, a newsletter you can subscribe to, which there is, uh, you can you can find out what's going on throughout the year. And then, of course, ramping up to the uh, uh, to the music camps as well. But uh, but don't be surprised if other things pop up along the way as well. So we've celebrated a Kennedy Center honor with uh, Dion Warwick, and, and we've also learned a little bit more about uh, Faith to Form F two F the Music Foundation. Uh, seeking to enable all youth to pursue continuous and rigorous training in music to their highest level of interest and ability while striving for the best academic achievements possible. That's what F2F is. Great mission, and uh, 2024 is going to be a great year for and that be as well. sure to visit our website, f2fmusicfoundation.org. There is a lot of information on that website. Yeah. I guarantee yeah. you, you can be there for an hour easily and enjoy yourself. There's our podcasts are there, all of our prior episodes, yes. uh, many videos, so. and we have also uh, recently put up a community impact page. So then you can see exactly what we're doing in the community and uh, here uh, in our YouTube channel as well. We've got uh, recent videos with right. uh, students actually telling their story about how they uh, Right. Their thoughts and inspirations of the uh, programs that F2F had. There's a good chance that Dion will have listened to this podcast as well. Dion, congratulations once again. Thank Absolutely. you for so much great music and uh, so many smiles along the way. Keep doing that, okay? Thank Love you. Love you, much. Dion. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let Gladys Knight sing us out of this podcast today. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you. Say you This is Faith to Forum, the podcast for the F2F Music Foundation. Thank you for listening.